that song gets me excited. That could have been Moses' words right there. And you know what? This morning, like Ron said, we know that today is a closing ceremony for the Olympics, right? But I want to start out this morning by showing you a video clip taken from the opening ceremony. You may remember this moment when young athletes carried that Olympic torch into the arena. Let's watch this. And this part might need a little explaining here, Bob. The, the, the people with the torch now are young athletes from Great Britain between the ages of 16 and 19. They're all involved in sports, sailing, track, and field, and rowing. And this is that whole idea of the next generation of potential Olympians inspiring a new generation. Okay, did you hear what that announcer said? Inspiring a new generation. That's what our whole series has been about. In, in fact, on the TV, I've heard him saying to be faster, higher, stronger, right? But as amazing as those athletes are, there is an arena where a torch is being passed down that's of greater significance than the torch of athletic achievement. I'm talking about you and me being in this arena where we're passing down the torch of faith in God. So right now, I want to ask you to use your biggest arena voices and speak out with me the definition that we've been using for faith. Are you ready? Speak it out. Go. Being sure that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. That's right. We're in that arena and we are not spectators. We are carrying that torch. We are the ones to hand that torch to the next generation. What greater challenge could there be than that? You know, we've looked at all these big names in Hebrews 11. So right now, we're going to continue. I want to ask you to get out the outline that looks like this and your Bible and turn to Hebrews 11. Because today, we're going to look at, like Ron said, a big name. Somebody who we, we might say is so out of my league, Moses. But is he really? Is he really out of my league? I mean, what makes him so relatable for me? is how Moses struggled with fear and insecurity. H have you ever thought about that? Maybe, maybe you've never thought how God tapped Moses on the shoulder and he had to just battle with fear at that point. You know, that's my struggle in some way or another every single day. Fear or insecurity in some way. In fact, I was trying to figure out which circumstance I could share with you, you know, that I was immobilized by fear and insecurity. Well, I finally just gave it up because, you know, I was afraid of what you'd think. <laughs> but I know this for sure. When I have surrendered my fear, when I've given it to God, when I've trusted him, that he has grown my life in ways that I never could have dreamed. He's used me in ways I never could have imagined. And that's why this study about Moses has been so intriguing to me. You see, Moses wasn't born a man of faith any more than Michael Phelps was born ready and able to win all those gold medals. It was a process. And it's a process that you and I can enter into as well. So would you get your pen and let's just dig in and let's find out what does it take to overcome fear and to become a person that God can use. The first thing we learn from Moses is this. Faith begins when I fight the battles within me. Write that down. See, that's where the flame gets kindled. 
When we blaze a trail to the root of our fear by answering some tough questions, the first question I think that Moses answered was this one. Who am I? Write that down. I must clarify exactly who I am. See, this was a big issue in Moses' life because Moses was born the son of Hebrew slaves, but then he was put out onto the Nile River in a basket by his parents because Pharaoh was killing all the Hebrew baby boys and his parents didn't want him killed. Well, then he was found in that basket by Pharaoh's daughter and he was brought in to Pharaoh's palace. So even though he was born a Hebrew slave, he was raised an Egyptian. Moses had an identity crisis. See, he had to ask the question, who am I? The answer to that question would direct the rest of his life. If he faked his heritage and said, I'm an Egyptian, you know, he'd have a life of ease. He'd have a successful career, fame and fortune. He might even be Pharaoh someday. But if he said what he really was, I am Jewish, he'd be kicked out of the palace and sent away to live with a bunch of slaves for the, for the rest of his life. Sometimes in our lives, we can get confused about who we are too. Have you asked that question, who am I? You see, one way to be tied down by fear and insecurity is trying to be somebody that you're not. If you want to live an effective life, you need to know and be who you are. One day Moses made a decision about this that cost him the next 40 years of his life. Look at this, in verse 24, it says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'll circle the word refused. That word in Greek means to reject, deny, to totally disown. Moses refused to live a lie. He resisted resolutely. He wanted to do what God had made him to do. Now, sometimes the Bible makes me scratch my head, you know, because verse 24, it says, by faith, Moses made this decision. Well, do you remember what happened? Moses was about 40 or so, and he saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew slave. So he killed that Egyptian, and he hid the body in the sand. Well, the next day, he found out that word was out, and he knew this wasn't going to go over well with Pharaoh. But not only that, he found out that his own people, the Hebrews, were mad at him. So he ran away. Moses ran away. I mean, there's not a whole lot of faith to be seen in Moses at this particular point. He's got some major internal stuff going on, confusing childhood issues, living with enormous failure, fear, and insecurity. Here's an extremely gifted guy with huge potential. And now he's running off to the middle of nowhere, and he gets married and starts raising sheep in obscurity on the far side of the desert. Where is the by faith part? Well, it looks to me like Moses is enrolled in character development school, where God is now inviting him to do battle with some inner stuff. I think Moses' sudden departure from Egypt is where faith is getting ignited in him. You know, sometimes the igniting of our faith can be messy. Some of the roughest patches in my life were when, were when I was forced to do battle with some inner stuff. See, I was once engaged to a guy way before I knew my husband, 
to a guy who didn't honor God with his life. And I was compromising because I was stuck in a relationship to someone that was going to possibly derail me, make me miss God's plan for me. I could say today, by faith I broke up with him, when in reality, God had to pry my fingers loose by having the guy arrested. (laughs) Yeah, I could make my own movie. But even though it was a rocky patch, see, I know that that was a a time when my faith was getting rekindled in new ways as I wrestled through some inner struggles. I believe faith begins here. Perhaps it's time to ask yourself that question, who am I? Maybe it's time to acknowledge who God created you to be. And then allow God to lead you like he led Moses out of compromise and into the singular focus of serving God's purpose for your life. Let me recommend a resource to you. This is a book called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. We have some extra copies in our bookstore. See, our women have been studying this book this summer on Thursday mornings. And when I read this book, you know, I realize that part of knowing and loving God is to know and love myself. Well, there's another question that Moses shows us to ask, and that's this one. Will I be responsible? That's an important question. Will I be responsible? It says in verse 25, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Circle the word chose. See, that word literally means to select or to decide. Don't blame somebody else. Don't say, it's not my fault. Do something about it. See, the fact is that I have choices I get to make in life, and so do you. And what I choose today will determine my tomorrow. That's called accepting responsibility. See, in verse 24, we see Moses refusing. And in verse 25, we see Moses choosing. The negative is followed by the positive. See, God doesn't say, don't drink, smoke, cuss, chew, run around with girls that do. God says, when you take something out of your life, you put something positive in its place. Now, God chose Moses as a baby. But when did Moses make his choice? Well, look back with me at verse 24. We already read it, but underline the phrase, when he grew up. See, it's a mark of maturity in your life to accept responsibility. Your happiness will be determined by your character, and your character is determined by the choices that you make. There's another question that Moses asks, and this, it was this one. What is really important? Write that down. See, this is part of overcoming fear and insecurity. Give it serious thought. What is important to me? Moses asked that. Look at verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead at his great reward. Circle the word regarded. That word literally means to consider the options. Evaluate the worth. This means Moses considered God's plan of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. 
What's really important to you? What values do you base your life on? See, if you don't determine that, then somebody else will decide that for you. What's really important? Most people are frantically trying to get at three different things. Write these down. First is the value of pleasure. I want to feel good. And then there's the value of possessions. I want to be wealthy and have more stuff all around me. And then there's the value of power. I want to be well-known. I want to be somebody and be influential. Now, if you take those three things and you look at Moses' life, he had it made. Pleasure, possessions, and power. Do you think that being the son of Pharaoh's daughter was a status thing? Absolutely. He had all the pleasures, all the possessions, and all the power that came from being royalty. And yet Moses thought it out. And he walked away from it all to go live with a bunch of slaves. Who would do that? Somebody with a different value system. Moses wasn't lured by things that would not last. Well, what was valuable to Moses? It's right there in 25. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. It was people. Circle the word people in that verse. Moses decided that God's people are more valuable than pleasures. You know, my dad's death has set me to thinking in so many ways. And one of the things I noticed at his funeral was what he took with him, what he left behind. See, my dad did not amass a fortune. He did not leave behind a great big name everyone knows. When I last saw my dad's body at the funeral, when that casket was closed for the last time, do you know what he took with him in a material way? Nothing. Zero. No, I take that back. He took with him a suit he bought at a two-for-one sale when he went with a friend to buy their funeral suits. I think he's still very proud of that purchase. (laughs) But basically, it's like Job said. Job said, naked I came into this world, and with nothing I will leave. But you know, after that service was over, a guy came up to me and he said to me, do you know what I remember about your dad? There was one night that I was too drunk to drive myself home, and your dad said, get in my car. And your dad took me home, and he told me that he was there for me. He told me that he believed in me, and today I'm wearing a shirt that your dad gave me, and I am thanking God for how he was there for me when I was at my lowest. You know, I hold on to that conversation because I want to remember that we can spend so much energy pursuing what we have to live on and forgetting to seize what we have to live for, and that is people. God has put you in relationship to people who need you to make a lasting impact. Well, Moses shows us something else, and that's this, that faith rises when God's vision ignites my passion. That's what that song that Dave sang was all about. See, that's what happened to Moses. Remember, Moses is over hiding in the wilderness. It's been 40 years now, and Moses is probably thinking, this is all there is. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're in a wilderness, and, and it's just, this is all there is? Well, God had more for Moses, and he's got more for you. 
One day, Moses gets surprised with a new assignment because he stumbles on a bush that was on fire but wasn't burned up. And from that bush, God says, Moses, I'm aware. You're over here in Midian. You fought these inner battles, but I'm not finished with you. See, my people are over in Egypt, and they're suffering, and I am clued in. These words are from Exodus. God says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God's saying, Moses, this is my vision. Now, this vision of seeing those Israelites free is not a new epiphany for Moses. See, he had dreamed of their freedom, that he would be their deliverer 40 years back when he took that Egyptian out. And the passion was already deep in Moses. And as God reveals his vision to Moses, I think Moses has got to be thinking, you know, God, your vision, that's my passion. I just don't know how to get it done. I mean, I tried once. I really messed things up. That's why I'm over here hiding in the desert. But I've got passion I encourage you to take time this week to read in Exodus 3 and 4 about this encounter that Moses had with God. Because, see, we've already seen Moses' fear, but right here we get to see Moses' insecurity, his sense of inadequacy. You know, he starts arguing with God. You want me to talk to Pharaoh? I'm not qualified. Moses is insecure. You ever feel like that? We recently went as a family to see the Spider-Man movie. And we took our whole family. And my son Ryan, who's 18, was sitting right next to my daughter Jordan, who's 12. And, you know, I think after the movie, I think Ryan was feeling just a little, you know, inadequate as a man. Because this is what he posted on Facebook. He said, it saddens me when I watch a movie with my 12-year-old sister and I jump at a surprising scene and she mocks me for it. And Brett Malick says, I admire a guy who admits he jumps at a surprising scene. (laughs) What about you? Can you admit where you feel inadequate? I mean, you might be among those who would say to me today, Kim, I could never sing in the choir. I could never go visit a friend in the hospital. I could never host a community group, you know, for our 40 days coming up. Inadequate. Moses felt that way. He gave God all kinds of excuses, like, I can't speak well. And he finally just said, God, send somebody else. We've all had moments we felt imprisoned by our inadequacy because we're comparing ourselves to others. But listen, God doesn't choose superstars to do his work. He chooses servants. This is so key. God didn't cure Moses' inferiority complex by saying, Moses, you the man. Let's get in touch with your inner potential. (laughs) What did God say to Moses? It's right there in Exodus 3. And God said, I will be with you. That's good news. See, God knew that Moses was weak. He knew the task was too big. There's a song on the radio that's popular that drives me crazy. Because in this song, God is saying, I won't give you more than you can take. Yes, he will give you more than you can take. You know why? 
He wants you to know it's not you that's going to take it. He wants you to know it's not you who's going to handle it. It's him living his life through you. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. And the faith in Moses begins to rise. When Moses' passion hooks up with God's vision, not his own misguided vision of how to get it done, but God's vision, and that's fuel for faith. It's knowing that God is the great I am. Right there in Exodus, God says, Moses, I am able. I am deliverer. I am almighty. And he says to you today, I am personal. I am your provider. I am your redeemer. I am your healer. Read it. It's right there in Exodus. God calls himself the great I am. So Moses humbles himself and finally says, okay, God, we're going to do it your way. I will allow your strength and your wisdom and your power to flow through me to get the job done. And you know what? Saying that is like high-octane fuel, and your passion gets ignited. Your passion is that thing inside of you that just burns in your heart. It stirs in your soul. It's that thing that you just can't contain, and you feel like you're going to explode. What's your passion? My passion is seeing people get a new life. It's when they get ambushed by the grace of God and then they come up out of the waters of baptism to start a whole new life. When I see their joy, it just ignites a passion in me. And I share that passion with my husband and it sparks conversations, conversations we share where we just dream and I hope we never stop dreaming. I dream of a place right here where people will get the message of God's love for them where marriages will be healed, where kids and teenagers and a whole lost generation will get a new way of thinking. I dream of a place where people will gather of every size and shape and background to worship God, where they're going to get equipped to use their unique gifts, to go out and dispense God's grace in their world. I dream of a church like that. I dream of a place that is reaching out with a presence into our school campuses, telling students of every age that there is hope to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. I dream of sending out ambassadors for Christ, people who may right now be sitting in comfortable chairs. I picture sending out ambassadors into our jails and into our nursing homes with compassion, into our marketplace with integrity. I dream of sending out missionaries across our world with a, a cup of cold water and a message of hope that they have found in the person of Jesus Christ. What is your dream? What is your vision? God wants to ignite your passion with his vision. And oh man, it just becomes a torch that you're compelled to carry. You know, it's okay in an arena to get excited. Do you have passion? The Lord wants to equip you with his vision to go for it. And next, I want you to know that Moses' life shows us this. Faith inspires me when the cause is greater than my circumstance. 
See, God fills you with courage that overcomes fear. When you have a cause that is greater than the circumstance you're facing, no matter how scary it is, you know, there's a lot of fear associated with different circumstances. I, I just, I'm just wondering, how many people here struggle with some sort of fear? We have any phobias here? Anybody afraid of spiders? How about snakes? Anybody afraid of mice? What about the fear of heights? The fear of closed-in places? What about the fear of water? Maybe it's the fear of raising your hand in public places. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Moses was in a pretty intense situation, and it was probably pretty fearful for him. What do you think? See, God was telling him to go confront the most powerful man in the world and tell him to free his entire slave labor force. I mean, what was he to do? Smuggle two million people across the border? But what inspired Moses with faith to say no to his fear? Look at verse 26. He was looking ahead to his great reward. Underline the phrase, looking ahead. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. See, Moses got inspired with faith, and he left Midian, and he headed off to confront Pharaoh. He decided to re rely on revelation rather than reason, and God proved he was the great I am. But even after God parted the Red Sea, Moses' problems weren't over. He found himself leading two million ungrateful whiners across the desert. It was demanding. It was exhausting. It was frustrating. It had to be scary at times. But listen, Moses had a cause that was greater than his circumstance. That's key to Moses' life. He was looking ahead. Moses had a greater perspective than just the here and now. He was living in the light of eternity. This is how Paul puts it in Philippians. Remember, Paul was in prison at this point, and he says this, even though his circumstances were really bad, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus more life. I can't lose. <laughs> That's a famous scripture that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have a cause. I have a purpose and a mission. Life is tough. Circumstances are unfair, but God's got a purpose, so bring it on. Have you heard of a guy named Nick Vojacek? This guy, talk about hard circumstances. He was born with no limbs, no arms, no legs. That's a pretty good excuse for giving up. In fact, one time as he was a teenager, he considered giving up. But then something happened that changed him. Let's look at this clip. But a story that I read in the Bible changed my life and convinced me that God is with me. And it was in John chapter 9 where a man was born blind. And there was no reason for it, quote, medical reason. Back then, no one knew why and had no um, answers as to why this had happened. And I know that in my life, I had no answers to why I was born this way. And so as Jesus was going through this village and came across this man, people were asking him, why was this man born blind? And Jesus said it was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And 
it just hit me so hard. You know, all my life, all I've wanted was to know that somebody understands. Just someone knows what I'm going through. Because no one knew what my pain was. And that's why I didn't believe people when they said everything's going to be okay. Because they didn't understand what I was going through. They didn't know my future. But Jesus did. And He does. And He has a reason for everything. That He knew me and formed me in my mother's womb. That I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. That God has a purpose and His works will be revealed through my life. And at that moment I thought, well God, I now fully believe and trust in You that you do have a plan for my life and I want to start a friendship with you and I want to find out more about this purpose you have for my life. And by giving my life to Jesus, I know that God is in control. My life is in His hands. I don't need hands. I don't need feet. God is carrying me. Jesus is with me all the way. And that's awesome about God. But the greatest thing is that I now, having Jesus in my heart, have discovered an awesome purpose and joy in my life. Everybody wants to find their purpose in life and I found mine and that's to give hope to the world in any way that I can from the smallest ways to the biggest ways but I've seen the greater purpose of my disability that when people see me without arms and legs they can tangibly see that you can by God's grace conquer any struggles and any circumstances that no matter how big your storms are in life that God is bigger, that He has a purpose for even the worst parts of your life, that all things come together for the good. And there is no greater joy than knowing that Jesus is with me all the way, that He will never leave me, that there is a greater purpose to each and every storm in our life. Wow. When I saw that, I just said, I'll never complain again. But you know, Nick has a cause that is greater than his circumstance. What about you? Do you have a cause? Are you consumed with it? A rock-solid belief that enables you to live life to the fullest like Nick does? You know, I, I think that if you lack courage, if you're still disabled by fear, that it's possible that you're not consumed yet with a cause. Are you consumed with a cause or are you consumed with the circumstances in your life right now? Are you consumed with making your family work right? Are you consumed with beating an addiction? I guarantee you, if you will focus and get consumed with that cause instead of consumed with the circumstances that surround it, that God will meet you, that he will help you to have faith, and he and you together will be able to beat that thing and bury it in the past. I want you to hear something this morning. If you don't hear anything else, the key to overcoming fear that keeps you all bound up is in this. You move against your fear. You don't get stuck talking about it, thinking about it, even just praying about it. You get consumed with a cause, and then you take action. You feel the fear, and then you do it anyway. Think about the Israelites. After they left Egypt, they found themselves trapped between the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other side. What did God do? He didn't take them around it. He didn't take them on a bridge over it. He took them through it. And you know, they could have spent their entire lives on the shore 
praying, we believe God's going to save us. Do you know that in Exodus 14, God says to Moses, quit praying and get the people moving. Forward march. I love that. Because see, nothing changed until Moses moved against his fear. And he did what God said to do. That's when the, the, the sea began to part. So move against your fear. You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us how Moses did that. It's right there in verse 27. It says, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And as we close this morning, I'm just going to give us a chance to do that right now. To, to keep our eyes, to turn our eyes on the one who is invisible. Like we sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth are going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's do that together right now. Would you pray with me? Right now, can you just tune out the people around you? Make this your moment to fix your eyes on the one who is invisible. He may be invisible to your eyes, but he's more clued into your circumstance than anyone else. What is it that he's telling you to do? Make this your time with him. What is your personal Red Sea that you're facing today? Maybe you'd like to pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for your promise to be with me no matter what I'm facing. I want to be like Moses. I want to have faith that allows me to look beyond the here and now. I want to resist in a resolute way, to resist the world's values and to resist the fear that would disable me. You've told me that you want me to live by faith, not by fear. That without faith, it's impossible to please you. So right now, I'm turning my eyes on you, Jesus. And as I do that, I remember that you know what it's like to face tough circumstances. You face the circumstance of the cross, but you made me your cause. So you looked beyond the cross and you saw the results. You went to the cross not because it was going to be comfortable to hang there, but because you saw me and my need for forgiveness and a new life. Thank you for that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never chosen Jesus for yourself. You know, nobody can choose him for you. It's your responsibility. Would you say to God, Jesus Christ, I want to put my trust in you. Take away the fears and fill me with faith now to follow you. Jesus didn't come to scare you. He came to save you. And maybe God's been telling you to do something and you know you ought to do it. In the area of your finance or that maybe the area of your family or your friends or something at work. Maybe it's to talk to somebody about the Lord. Would you say to God, Lord, would you take away this fear? I'm going to move against it. I'm going to choose faith in you instead. It's in the strong name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.